0: Hey guys, I just wanted to briefly introduce this podcast and say that unfortunately on Evan's side, we had a bit of a sound quality issue in that his uh, computer just gets a bit kind of tired and you know when you're on a diet, you get a bit grumpy and you start like groaning. So there's a bit of noise from his fan in the background. Hopefully I've done my best to try and kind of get rid of this background noise. Um, Some fantastic content coming along. So really appreciate you listening in um, and we did our best with this. So cheers guys and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Macros Bodybuilding and Powerlifting podcast. I'm excited to introduce a really, really cool guest who is a natural pro bodybuilder and also an online coach like myself, Evan Godby, who is joining us all the way from Australia. So I really appreciate him taking the time, especially because the time difference, I'm glad we could make this work. And I just want to give you a bit of background about Evan. So you know a little about a bit about him um, and where he came from. So he has a background in karate, which he did at a very competitive level and started weight training at 17. And that's kind of where bodybuilding kind of, from what I've seen, took over uh, for Evan. And in 2009, competed um, and actually got his pro card in the WBA, uh, w- NBF, sorry, uh, in 2011, so he's a pro natural bodybuilder and last competed in 2014 um, over the world, placing to- uh, placing in the top five across all his three competitions, so that's really kind of like, I mean, without me messing things up, Evan's a very good bodybuilder, um, a natural pro bodybuilder and has just recently had a very kind of prolonged off-season, well, for natural bodybuilders, I don't think it's necessarily very long. Some people might view it as a long time, uh, but he's taken some time off competing to work on his physique um, and improve and is just about to enter a competition prep again. So, uh, is there anything you wanted to add to that, Evan? Uh, thank you again for taking the time. <laughs> no, I think you covered that pretty well. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, so, I think I just wanted to initially go into some of kind of Evan's background in terms of where his knowledge and his kind of training um, experiences come from, in that you had kind of some mentors and coaches in, first of all, Lane Norton and Alberto Nunez. And you recently wrote for Alan Aragon in his research review, which many of the listeners will probably be subscribed to or at least know of. Um, and you talked about the differences between their approaches. Do you just want to kind of touch on how much they really kind of influence you and what kind of big take-homes maybe you took away from each person? Because they're actually quite, although both natural bodybuilders and both kind of evidence-based, they're quite different, at least personalities.
1: Yeah, they definitely are. Um, yeah, so I was, I was introduced to Lane uh, in, you know, I, I first heard about him in around 2010, 2011. And um, it was just actually a friend at the gym who had been following him. And I, I recently, that uh, in 2010, I competed at the Worlds for the first time. And um, I'd come away just missing out on a placing there. Um, and so I really wanted to go ahead and, and do the wealth again next year and, and try to get my pro card and so on. And I was thinking about, well, you know, well, who can I get to guide me through this process? Because I've just been doing it myself and kind of just, you know, doing well at the local level. But as you go up, it becomes a little bit harder. So um, I just wanted to get somebody to help me, you know, in, in you know, to to really push my conditioning to the the limits and stuff like that, which is kind of where I'd been lacking a little bit previously. Um, And so, you know, without having done a huge amount of research, he just came highly recommended. Um, I learned that he had, you know, done his PhD, or he was doing his PhD at the time. Um, And, you know, he'd competed as a pro bodybuilder. He'd done really well. That was where I wanted to be myself, so I thought, okay, I'll contact him, and uh, I actually contacted him about six months before before starting the prep, and um, you know he agreed to take me on, Um, and yeah, uh, that that was kind of how I got working with Lane. Um, We only did a three month prep for for Worlds, that was the only show that I did that year, in two thousand eleven, and it just worked out really well. Um, We did a pretty Pretty standard approach in terms of uh, was actually the first time that I'd ever counted macros. I hadn't really heard a whole you know lot about them or anything like that prior to that year. So I kind of got the plan from him, and I was like, "How do I <laughs> how do I do this? I'm not used to doing it." He said, "You know, you better you better start figuring it out." Mm-hmm. So I, I in that case, what I did was I actually wrote myself a meal plan. Um, to fit those macronutrient requirements that that it set for me and and just kind of followed that. I more or less ate similar things throughout the diet. I think I gave myself a few different options there for meals. On Fridays, I used to have fish and chips or something like Mm -hmm. that, on Friday nights. Um, But I pretty much just, you know, stuck consistently to it. Um, I was losing weight consistently as well, so we didn't actually have to make a whole lot of changes. It was a fairly simple prep that was, like, once that we dropped ten grams of carbs from where we had started from, um, of course, peak week being separate to that, um, you know, the ratios change and all that type of thing. Right. But um, yeah, so I mean, it was, it was a pretty simple prep. Um, and that kind of really got me started into learning a little bit more about evidence-based uh, fitness and and nutrition and stuff like that. Um, after that, I. Kind of came away, started listening to a few more podcasts myself, uh, reading a few things, started changing my training a little bit, and um, you know, basically had an off season, uh, had a good off season which I hadn't really had um, pri- except for prior to when I started competing because I was competing 2009, 2010 both seasons, and I went to compete in 2011. So pretty much took a good three years off um between shows and and decided to had planned to come back in 2014 and do my first pro season um, which I which I, I did and um decided to you know I'd, I'd heard a lot of good things about um 3dmj mm-hmm. and so I kind of you know, because as you do when, you, when you're when you doing a prep, you kind of sometimes shop around for the coaches. you yeah. kind of like uh, looking at what type of content they're putting out, what type of approaches they take for themselves and their clients and what type of results they're getting. And then you kind of just want to get a feel for each person, with, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to them and see who you gel with personality-wise. And I found that I really, you know, like Alberto Nunez was somebody that stood out to me as an intelligent person um who gets great results himself you know he gets absolutely fantastic conditioning and he always does well you know good job with his clients and so that kind of made me sitting okay plus i've been looking at a few of his, his youtube videos and i really just liked his approach and the way he explained things and so on. so i i decided to work with him um for that season and um initially i was just thinking of a six month prep i'd actually been to Tulane's VIP camp in, uh, you know, his bodybuilding, powerlifting VIP camp in 2013, all the pros like Brian Whitaker were there talking about, you know, six month contest preps and that it was basically the standard for getting pro level conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had not done more than three months at, at that point, And so I was thinking, we could, well, I have to do at least six months and that's going to get me in, hopefully, in really good shape. And uh, so, in fact, I contacted him, Alberto, further out than six months, and he said, "Look, you know, I think it's a really good idea. Actually, to start now." So we nearly did eight months of contest travel um, for for that season in total, uh, about 33 weeks was. And um, what that allowed us to do was have a bit of, you know, a bit more leeway, lose, you know, a little bit slower, have some breaks in there as well and um yeah i was really happy with the whole prep um alberta did my training as well which um when i worked with Vane, he'd just done my nutrition okay. and i had my, my own training so um, i handed for the first time my training program over to, to somebody else and let them control that started you know having training blocks or, or some new cycles that i actually um followed and had a few different approaches there with rpe which I was fairly used to, and then we actually worked on some percentage-based stuff a little bit later on in the prep. And, um, yeah, I think that that was really good too. So, yeah, I've nothing but good things to say about both of those guys. Very different preps. Um, you know, even the cardio was very different. With Lane, a lot more hit cardio, mm-hmm. a lot more inter- training with a combination of low-intensity and HIIT cardio. Whereas with Alberta, we did a lot more low-intensity cardio. And, yeah, I was really happy with the results in both cases. Um, but I, I tend to stick a little bit closer to the type of approach that I, I learned with Alberto. In fact, we're about to start, you know, a new prep uh, in, you know, next week. So, cool. Oh, you, um, yeah.
0: so you're going ahead with Alberto again?
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I was, I, I've just been, in fact, we worked together in the off-season after my show for a good while. Uh, until the middle of last year, which is just because I've been on holidays uh, over to Europe. So uh, prior to that, um, we actually worked together throughout the off season, bringing up weak points and that mm-hmm. type of thing. So I think that he has a really good um, knowledge of how I work and what my body responds to and stuff. Yep. Uh, that type of thing. we tried a few different approaches with certain things. So that's mainly the reason why I'm going with him again because he just knows me so well um, and I think that's a, a really valuable starting point rather than going with somebody new. there's other great coaches out there, for sure, um, but somebody that kind of already knows me pretty well I think is, you know, the best place yeah, for to start.
0: Yeah, I think mm. you brought up some brilliant points which is, if anyone is looking for a coach, they can do something very similar to yourself because, especially now we've got the internet, there are so many kind of well-educated coaches you can look around make sure they do know their stuff look at their social media content look at what they're putting out and then also importantly you pick people who you resonated with and who you got on with so and then develop that relationship even further which i think for a competitive bodybuilder to get the best results to really you know have a coach who really knows you is so so powerful to have that kind of objective view over your training nutrition
1: yeah definitely definitely so
0: um yeah, yeah, really, really, um, I think that's, that's a really important factor as well. Cool. Just to give some context, actually, what's, because uh, you're a tall guy, what do you, what's your mm. competition kind of stage weight?
1: Yeah, good question. So um, I know that from my, I, uh, all my data that I've tracked previously, the lowest weight that I've gotten to is 88 kilos. Um, I'm not sure what that is in pounds for any American listeners that are, in but um yeah about about eighty eight kilos depleted so that's when you know we're kind of digging hard. Yeah. I'm at my lowest calories and so on. Now on stage I'm not entirely sure because usually when you weigh in uh, I was wanting to be in the heavyweight division at the show. So I weighed in with clothes on. Um, a lot of the time I have yeah, you know like I just I I wanted to be in the the heavyweight division, which I would have been anyway, like regardless. Yeah, um, but uh, anyway, I think I, mu- I must have weighed in about two ten with gloves on, including shoes, something like that. So after filling out, it's going to be somewhere between
0: that, I think. So two ten pounds, not 210 yeah. kilos <laughs> that's a big—that's <laughs> um, a big uh, like your lowest to your highest, I guess. For people who are bigger, yeah. it's kind of a percentage increase in terms of kind of filling out with glycogen and water and all those mm-hmm. things but yeah 194 pounds to like 210 kind of that was yeah what 88 kilos is 194 I just did it on my calculator <laughs> secretly um because <laughs> I remember for my shot I mean I'm much kind of sm- more like less muscular and shorter than you and I was my lowest weighing in 2014 was 159 pounds and then stage weight was 165 pounds so only a six pound difference whereas you had Kind of like over ten pounds difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, consider with gloves on. So maybe I would have been oh, yeah. 200 to two oh five. Yeah, uh, without gloves. So you know, maybe 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 around the ten pound difference. But yeah, you definitely feel out a lot. Um, from you know from, from that peak week, especially when you've been so depleted, you're getting a lot
0: of cardio. You're hardly eating any carbs, any um, mm-hmm. calories. So, so cool. Well. Yeah, that, that, I just want to um, move away from kind of your competitive season and just talk about a bit of your off season that we've just kind of you've just gone through. Um, and in regards to kind of two thousand fourteen to now starting to compete, so it's a, a long period of time off. So you've had a long time to kind of develop weak points and things like that. How have you kind of if you were to give an overview of your training, how's that kind of looked for yourself over the past like yeah number of years? Has it changed much over those years or or and compared to the past?
1: Right, yeah. So, um, I mean, before I worked with Lane, if we go back to say 2009, I was still basically doing a gross split. Um, you know, five-day week. Uh, you know, arms on Monday, chest on Tuesday, so on, all that type of thing, um, which did work well, to be honest. Um, but I, I found that um, then, you know, I'd heard about you know increasing training frequency, so somewhere around. Uh, 2010 I started in- implementing that for my legs and they, they grew a lot because they were a bit of a weak point um, and I found that in my first kind in couple of shows um, and actually they kind of came up quite well in just six months of increasing the training frequency for them um, but yeah beyond that I would have um, actually started taking that kind of approach for my whole body um, from you know 2012 to 2014 when I started working with Alberto. And I was using, you know, the RPE scale um, to manage my proximity to failure and so on, uh, rather than you know, using percentages of one RM or anything at that point. Um, and I think that that really worked pretty well. It was just an even approach, so everything twice a week. Mm-hmm. So either a push pull legs or um, you know, opposing muscle groups in the same day. So Chest, back, shoulders, arms, legs, and then repeat that over another three days, um, and then have a day off. Um, I think that, for a bodybuilder, for me, is, is a good, sound starting point because you've got that, you know, twice a week for the muscle group, um, and you're hitting everything really evenly. Now, when you're on the pro stage, you've got, um, and I suppose even on the amateur stage as well, you've got Uh, weak points really become an issue. So I would say that my biggest weak points are my back, probably my hamstrings, to a lesser degree, maybe my calves. Um, So I wanted to prioritize those um, muscle groups uh, a little bit more in the most recent off-season. So I've definitely been putting a little bit more frequency into those. Um, I've uh, been training my back consistently, three times a week. Um, at the moment, I've been training my hamstrings just twice a week, but previously I've been training them even four or five days a week. well wow. um, You know, not not high volume every day, but mm-hmm. high frequency at least. Um, and so I've been, you know, some of these muscle groups. Anybody will tell you with, you know, certain muscle groups that they have uh, weak points. Some of them, almost no matter what you do. Uh, it's hard to make them work, So I, I've just been doing my best and uh, when we get the body fat low, hopefully we'll see that I've made some improvements there. I hope so anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Mm. How but,
0: uh, of,
1: sorry, carry on. Oh no, no, no. Um, I, I just think that it's also interesting because I was a period of time in this off season where I've worked with Alberto uh, and then there's been a period of time where I've basically just done my own big. Um, and those, so those two things are, are fairly different in the approach with Alberto who would run. He, he would tell me what cycles he'd want me to run. Occasionally, we'd run a strength cycle, you know, a little more volume. And with that approach in mind um, that I've spoken about, just then we're prioritising the weak points. Um, also, something that he's big on, uh, bringing the volume down for strong body parts so that there's more recovery available for some of the weak parts. So we've tried that as well. Um, and then I suppose, yeah, when I've just been working by myself, it's been a little bit less in, in the way of, of, um, changing, uh, cycles and so on. I've, I've been running a lot of the same kind of stuff. So just basically blasting my back three times a week and, you know, just pretty much keeping that same kind of everything else twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, with you know with of course deloads and stuff thrown in, but haven't been doing a whole lot of different mesocycles. I did change the exercise selection up a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, pretty much just straight through for a good six to eight months the same
0: type of training. Cool. So in terms of mm. kind of for your own training, did you have what was like mm. your intensity kind of what was your rep range that you were focusing on? Were you on that kind of traditional rep range of hypertrophy or mm. Did you go into the strength zones?
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm not too. I, I don't handle strength work too well. Uh, I have a few injuries, um, and as well as as well as that, I just tend to accrue additional injuries every time I do a strength work, particularly if I do it for too long. So I can handle about like usually like a month of of a, a higher intensity, a higher load training cycle and if I if I start doing too much of it um I've run you know probably 10 weeks in a row before of strength work which I felt was too long and I, I got a few injuries and it, it just seems to be every time I run a strength block I do kind of get something like that so I don't do a whole bunch of strength work um, anymore I do a little bit more a 7 rep plus so a lot of 7 to 15 and where appropriate, 15 to 20 mm-hmm. um, i do some 15 to 20 leg presses, leg extensions rear delts all, all that type of thing, um, side delts as well um, in terms of lateral raises and stuff like that um, but yeah that, that's kind of the rep ranges I, I, I really like um, for a lot of my upper body work around 8 to 10 so I kind of stick with that a lot. I think that kind of feels pretty good to me. um, But yeah, I'll throw in usually, because I'm training back three days, for example, I will do a day where I deliberately do um, higher reps, you know, 12 to 15, and lower the weight, try to focus a little bit more on just getting a really good contraction. That's cool.
0: No, yeah, that's really interesting. And um, I guess, do you take a similar approach with your clients as well? Have you found this, kind of not necessarily having too much periodization, kind of overall mesocycle to mesocycle, but more within kind of just a hypertrophy style approach. Is that how you approach it with your clients as well for the most part? Um, No, not necessarily. I
1: think that I do like to run specific training blocks of, you know, six to eight weeks with with them. Um, And I I would probably include some strength work for them because I know that not everybody like me. I know that some people enjoy strength work. I know people that some people just handle it a little bit better. So um, I definitely throw a little bit in either to each base cycle or we'll do a lot more of a strength focused yep. block. So probably around 20% of their work is, is usually strength focused for a typical bodybuilder. And a lot more of their work is then within hypertrophy, rep ranges, occasionally we do a high rep, high volume block, um, that type of thing, but um, yeah, definitely um definitely kind of me psycho for them um but yeah just for me it was kind of like i'd done training programs that uh you know had been set for me for a while and i just kind of wanted to go back to having fun in the gym doing what i wanted to do i also have some training partners there trained at night and so that meant that not having a specific structure i could do what I wanted with them, you know, kind of would say, okay, well, we're training back and just today, we knew that, but sometimes we would change the exercises depending on, you know, what their limitations were and that type of thing, so okay. just being kind of like having a, a semi-structured approach, but being able to have a little bit of flexibility in there and just enjoy the last, you know, six, eight months of training a little bit more.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool, mm. and I think I think an important thing for people to take away is that you haven't started out where you might have, but... Um, you got most of your results from having kind of a structured approach, and then this non-structured approach comes after having all that structure, I guess. That's why you can not get away with it, but that's why it kind of makes sense in a way. Yeah,
1: and
0: yeah then definitely. You also touched on deloads. Um, how do you structure deloads kind of in terms of how many, like every fourth, fifth week, or is it every sixth week? Uh, and then how do you structure the deload in itself? Is it just a volume reduction, or do you reduce some intensity as well?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, when I when I started working with Alberto, he had me more or less do a deload usually every fourth week.
0: Okay. And
1: that's um, because as, as somebody who's fairly advanced in terms of training age, um, basically keeping me in, I, I realised that it's kind of like a quarter of the year you're deloading, so you're not necessarily making as many games. But as an advanced bodybuilder, you're probably not making – huge rate of gains anyway you know what i mean so um at at this point it's kind of like keeping me healthy keeping me showing up um especially because i have some injuries already um i want to be able to have a little bit more of a longer time even if i stop competing i want to be able to still train i don't want to end up with you know arthritis all over my body and So um, that was kind of his approach. I tried to with my own thing, just test out the water a little bit more. Leave it every, you know, six weeks with e-learning. I found that in terms of my whole like systemic recovery and how I felt, um, I can certainly handle that. Um, it's I can, you know pretty fine with, with doing that. I don't feel like I need to e learn necessarily, but um, I with with just mainly my joint injuries and stuff, which are a few minor things, um, I think that it's generally a better approach for me to be every fourth or fifth week. Um, that's just been trial and error on my own part. Um, and I think that I'll probably stick with something like that during the prep. Um, as for how I usually structure them, um, I've taken a whole bunch of different approaches. I usually like to reduce both the intensity and volume. so. Um, usually, let's say if I'm doing three, four, or five sets of exercise, I usually just drop that down to about half. I usually, cool. do about two sets of exercise. And I'll usually drop the intensity to about 70%. I, I kind of like to do that, but I've done at higher percentages of intensity as well for e learning at times. And um, yeah, I just I have a kind of personal preference around that 70% mark. It feels good.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I, d- I was just thinking of an analogy for kind of an advanced bodybuilder who has a few injuries. It's kind of like, I don't know, like a vintage Ferrari or something that's like super fast, super advanced, but it's like old and a bit, bit beat up. Like it probably has to get serviced a little bit more frequently. Um, So you can so, kind of go very fast for a short period of time. Then, yeah, you need to take it back so you can then repair and go again. Yeah. And I mean, even if I could gain
1: like maybe an extra kilo of muscle a year or something by beating myself up, it's not, it's not worth it to me if in if in two years I can't train legs anymore. Yeah. You know, um, because as I said, I do want to keep. If I stop competing at some stage, I still want to keep training. I love training, so longevity is it's definitely a big consideration for me at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, just. This is kind of a side interest for me. How I don't actually know your per, your actual age. How old are you? I'm uh, thirty one. Thirty one. Okay. Yeah. So you're not you're not too old yet.
1: <laughs> too old, yeah,
0: yeah. I've
1: still I've been training though since I'm seventeen. So yeah, close to if my calculations are correct. Close to like, fifteen years in the gym, um, and you know, of course, there's a lot of guys in there in their forties um, and stuff like that. So that are still competing professionally. So I'm kind of like looking at the type of things that they say that they've got a lot of experienced guys like Jeff Albert and stuff like that. And it's, it's um, you know, the things that they're saying is, well, yeah, you know, take that type of method- methodical, gradual approach as you kind of get it on that. It's not necessarily about hitting PRs all the time and yeah. that type of thing because you want to stay healthy and, um, you know, you, you're going to slow down in
0: your rate of muscle gain and you're basically I think actually Mm -hmm. touching on talked about kind of rates of muscle gain um, and so Mm. I guess that relates to your nutrition and how's that looked over your off season kind of have you tried to stick to a certain rate of gain per month or per week Um, and have you tried to kind of stick within a range of kind of um, so you don't get too far away from that stage weight how have you approached that
1: um yeah so so i ended up as you know at my most depleted around 88 kilos in the last prep after that i after that prep i actually had a two-week holiday because i was competing over in the u.s so i ended up gaining um including water weight uh about 10 kilos in that two or three weeks because you know i was just enjoying myself um with food and so on and i was i was Absolutely fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, I kind of maintained for a little bit um, and then gradually gained over a year up to about 105, 106 kilos, which is the heaviest I've been in off season, but not significantly different to where I was before 2014, which was around 104, 105 anyway. Um, I think after that, what we did was we, we did a mini cut. I don't know if it was really many, it was really about three or four months okay. of cutting. Um, back down to about 98. And I think I kind of personally feel my best from an overall health perspective or whatnot. At about that weight, I'm not puffing and puffing, walking upstairs or up hills And hills. Um, I'm able to, I also do, as you, as you said earlier, I do karate, I do martial arts. So I, I feel kind of at my best uh, weight for that, if that yeah. makes sense. I'm able to move around a little bit more easily. Um, and yeah, I, I just did feel like I looked a little bit better at this point at, at around that weight. So I actually, uh, well, I did go on holidays as well. So I went on holidays for a month, actually lost a little bit of weight on holidays as you do. Um, at what well, you can, I suppose, gain weight if
0: you eat. Some people, lose, around. some people gain.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I was, I was walking around but I lost actually a few kilos. Came back up to ninety eight uh, over a few months, and I've just maintained that. So I've, I haven't even been tracking macros honestly um, since uh, since Europe. I've just been eating a lot of the same types of foods. Uh, I throw a little bit of variation in there if I feel like it, but I generally just um, eat the same kinds of things a lot of the time. And so I've been very consistent with my weight. I've actually probably dropped a kilo over that time just through. Staying very active, I surf a little bit, I do karate, I walk around, I go on, you know, not hikes, but I live near the coast, I walk on the beach a fair bit. Um, and so I think that's kind of where I've been at with, with what I've done. I've, I've kind of had that gaining phase, did do a mini cut, and then I've just maintained. And I think that um, I haven't, looking at my off-seasons, um, probably the one between 2000 and Honestly, the one between 2011-2014 I did gain a decent amount of muscle a little bit. Um, But I almost feel like, I don't want to say that I'm tapped out in terms of my ability to gain muscle mass, but I didn't really feel like I gained a huge amount going from 98 to 106. I feel like I almost look about the same going back down to 98. So I think it just makes sense to kind of, at this point, Generally, be at a bit of a closer starting point to my end goal for the contest prep, rather than getting up to 106 and then trying to go from 106 down to 88. Why not go from 98 down to 88
0: and really try to push the conditioning in the
1: prep and kind of use that to my advantage?
0: Yeah, I think that's a wise approach. You know, I often think, why not stay a bit leaner? Because the leaner you are, mm. as well, the Better chance you have of building muscle because you're more insulin sensitive and all of those sort of P ratios and stuff like that. So, why not stay yeah. a bit leaner and you can? Um, and hopefully, if you are leaner, then you've got less time to prep or you can give yourself loads of time anyway. But during that mm. prep, like I think uh, Jeff Alberts has talked about, you can take more time and hold on to more muscle and then get better conditioning. You actually look bigger because you've held on to more muscle. You've got better conditioning via a more sustainable approach. You haven't had to kind of strip away as much fat as maybe if you got really far away from stage weight
1: yeah exactly exactly you can kind of really slow down that rate of of, um, of fat loss so that you retain more muscle and you can throw things in like diet breaks or um, or depending how you want to define it like Mike said um, the other week maintenance phases yeah but you may actually you know even gain a little bit of muscle when you do prep Um, so yeah I really to do it, particularly for advanced bodybuilders, yeah. not necessarily for somebody who's a little bit younger or, or in terms of their own training age, maybe they're going to actually see some benefit from being in a sustained surplus and really trying to evolve To within reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think for, for the long-standing advanced competitor, there comes a point where you you just see it in yourself. You're just not gaining huge slabs of muscle anymore, it's like, and you're always kind of coming in around the same stage weight. Maybe you can gain a small amount of muscle, you just lose a little bit more fat, and it's just like a fine tweaking, but eventually.
0: Yeah, I can Unless tell. <laughs> And I think um, <laughs> you also touched on a good point in that obviously there's going to be some individual difference there in terms of where do you feel good at? So you feel good at that lower body weight rather than that higher body weight anyway and I know for myself personally I've always just been kind of quite lean as even before I started training so I end up staying quite lean. Um, but yeah actually we're kind of at a good point to just move more onto this coming kind of uh, contest prep season now. Um, what are your kind of initial plans looking like? I guess you've had a consult with Alberto and he's got your training plan. Um, is he back? Are you back onto kind of the blocks and deloading every fourth week? Is that programmed in?
1: Yeah, so we've been discussing it at the moment
0: um, and we've been kind of back and forth
1: uh, about it. And uh, yeah, one question was from Alberta was, you know, do you want to actually manage your own training or cool. do you want me to manage your training? And I said to him, I've actually just been kind of. Modified, I've modified an old one of the old MISA cycles that we ran that I, I liked, um, and that's not too far off what I've been doing. And so I've been um, doing that. I'm, I'm about four weeks into that, and I said, "Let me finish off this block, and we'll see how I'm feeling at the end of that, because I don't want to necessarily make uh, a definite decision on, on, on you know doing all my own training just mm-hmm. prior to prep and I'm still feeling great." Um, and I said it's likely later on in the prep that I'll definitely need your guidance with that because um, how you feel in the off-season with the start of prep is immensely different um, to how you feel at the end of prep where uh, walking, you know, for me, walking a block from the street um, at the last time was was difficult, let alone training in the gym. I was like on a machine, It's just like a chest press machine or something like that. And I'm, I'm like there for five, six minutes between sets just struggling to put the plates on and off the machine. So um, at that point, I think I definitely need to step away from managing my own training and have you guide me in that regard. Um, yeah, but at, at the start, I'm going to
0: just cruise through a little bit while I can still tolerate doing decent volumes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. No, I think that's important, it's, it is really hard to be both objective with your training and your nutrition towards the end of prep kind of that last three months, the dig into kind of the, the body fat levels that no one really wants to go to, but for the, the stage is the only reason you'd get there. It just, I completely yeah. relate walking becomes effort standing because like, everything's an effort. And so if you're programming for yourself, you might just do something you wouldn't want, like you might probably be tempted to put too much more, more than too mm-hmm. little because you'd be worried if you did less then you'd lose whereas obviously someone can be objective and be like right we can actually go to like minimal volumes for a period of time or something along those lines so I think that's yeah. a really kind of wise decision to be well it's a, it's a good way to go about things and it's kind of a mature approach as well from someone who is obviously you're, you're a coach yourself and you know your stuff to actually to be able mm-hmm. to say oh actually I need to take a sit back and like, I'll just focus on my clients. You can take over. I think that's a really mature approach to have in terms of yeah. nutrition. How's, uh, have you got your, have you, I'm guessing you haven't started the deficit yet. How's, uh, is it aggressive initially or are you going for a bit of a soft approach?
1: Um, I have to say, I don't know at this point. I don't know. Um, I can say that right now I just measured my calories. they are about 3650. Cool. Um, and Alberta has all my other information, um, and he's said, okay, at this point I'm going to put a plan together. So I can't say for sure. Um, I assume that we're not going to go super aggressive because I'm starting at a fairly lean um, body fat percentage. I just had a DEXA last week, um, and that's about 8.4% on DEXA. I don't no, know it's, if that's necessarily you know, accurate, but I'm definitely probably the leanest I've been starting when we prep. So, with only probably about ten kilos to lose over like thirty weeks, um, I, I assume that we're not going to necessarily be super aggressive. But um, I know that actually last time we kind of were, um, with the reasoning that um, at the beginning of the prep, if well, I was starting at one hundred and five kilos last time, so I was a little had a little bit more body fat. And the reason there was. Well, if you have a little bit more body fat, um, you know, you're going to be able to tolerate faster rates of weight loss without necessarily losing as much muscle mass. But I don't know because this time, you know, I said I'm a little bit leaner. Um, Will we necessarily take that approach? I would say probably we're going to start like, you know, somewhere around 3,000 calories or something like that, um, considering that 3650 is around my maintenance and probably just moderate levels of cardio and try to keep my best guess
0: but Mm -hmm. sometimes you know when you
1: work with a coach there's something different
0: yeah i mean yeah i'd be considering you are under 10 well you probably are under 10% even if the dex is out a little bit you're probably sitting under 10% or thereabouts so yeah Yeah, probably shooting for that 0.5% body weight loss per week is probably a reasonable assumption to make you're going to say shooting for 0.5% body fat at the end of the (laughs) day
1: <laughs> um, yeah, 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 probably about half a kilo a week um, with, uh, with the total rate of weight loss, I would say. Yeah, but maybe even slower. I think probably mm-hmm. had
0: some diet breaks or, or, or a long diet break in there, um, in the middle. Last time we did a six-week diet break in the so, Cool. Um, and with that diet break actually, how did, um, I guess, was that maintenance calories and then how did training look during that time?
1: yeah um how did training look i i I would say it didn't really change significantly i can't remember change we just kind of you know did what we would normally do i don't know if we changed these cycles and stuff in the middle of it but um in terms of i I know that we actually kept cardio in which is usually um something that you know a lot of people for a diet break that will take cardio out um to you know improve recovery Mm-hmm. So we kept that in last time, um, and we basically just brought calories up to, I would say, around maintenance. Um, and generally, I either maintained, or lost a little bit of, little bit of body fat. Um, yeah. So, so that worked really well. Um, I think that was really an approach that I enjoyed last time because of the longer prep time and stuff like that. It's hard to diet all the way through, and if yeah. you are doing a long prep, and you don't have a huge amount of fat to lose. having that psychological break um, really helped me i think and then made me feel like okay we've had a good six weeks break i actually now want to diet yeah finish off this crap you know whereas if you're just doing you know you're trying to just get through it get through it it's um it can be draining
0: yeah it becomes a massive grind i remember my first competition (laughs) season i think it was like only some refeeds no even like week long diet breaks and it was like I was run into the ground definitely lost some muscle tissue towards the end as well whereas this time starting in a much better place and planning like yourself well you probably Mm. will have those extended diet breaks but something that I'm concerned about I haven't done it before and because you've experienced it how did you kind of psychologically manage kind of being in prep mode and then being like oh now I'm in prep eating and not looking to lose weight particularly and how did you kind of did that make you feel a bit funny at first how did you kind of get around maybe some thoughts about oh i might be on body fat or it might take me a step backwards um, will i be ready in time did any of those thoughts come into your mind or is that just me
1: <laughs> yeah I, I think that we do have those type of thoughts particularly if you're you know let's say you get to a certain weight and then your weight goes up by a kilo or two um You know, you might think, well, I've gained body fat, Um, but you know, I think that you have to look at the big picture and, um, A, you know, do you actually look like you've gained fat, um, or or do you just look fuller? And it could just be glycogen retention that you, you know, because you're eating more carbs. Um, and yeah, I think that if you allow enough time, um, and particularly if you know, if you've got a coach and you know, you have to kind of trust them. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you, you can always, um, if you're worried about that type of thing, I would always ask those type of questions. You know, what do you think I gained, I gained a kilo this week? Um, but, you know, do you think I actually look leaner? You know, it's hard to sometimes make those those um, decisions uh, by yourself uh, when it comes to yourself because there's, you know, probably some type of emotional attachment to, yep. to it all and, you know, um, you can't necessarily always be objective with yourself. So, yeah, when you have somebody else looking at your photos, and um, and I, I kind of like I, I trust Alberto in my case. So I just kind of like I know that he's going to get me to the end result that I want. Yeah. Um, we've done it before, and I know that um, I have a good starting point. Last time we have a lot of time to work with. We had a lot of time to work with last time, so. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that I was ever too stressed about it. I was, I just enjoyed it to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, um, deloading. I, I feel like a lot of people really stress out when it's like, oh, I'm not getting a pump. It's like, well, that's not, the point of the deload is not to get a pump. Mm-hmm. The point is to recover from, from training. Um, so I, I kind of like just think, of, okay, well, what what is the point of the phase that we're doing?
0: Am I okay with this? Uh, you know, it's it's, um, it, it's Kind of the big features. Yeah. And I guess, well, more so for myself than you, because obviously you're much more competitive, but it is just bodybuilding at the end of the day. It's not kind of You're not going to earn a, a shed load of money. You're not going to kind of, you're not going to look awful on stage. Um And it there's always, the stage is always there in later years. So it's not like it's a life break. Like people get very emotionally attached to, like like you said, deloads and like diet breaks. And in reality, it's just such a short, like small thing as well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not it's not the end of the world, and um, the thing is as well, you go to some of these shows, you might be at your absolute best, and you could get, still um, get slammed for a number of reasons. Whether it be just that there's actually better competitors there, legitimately than you, and plus the fact that the judging is subjective, and so sometimes you you may place better or worse than you um, you know than you deserve to. Um, so. Yeah, you've kind of got to just do it, I think, partly for just enjoying the process. Um, we're, we're all competitive. Like, we don't want to just go, well, I'm just going to do this season because um, it's like eight months of dieting. It's hard. Uh, I'm just going to do it for the purpose of getting up on stage. I think when you're competitive, you want to win, but yeah. you can't control it. So you've just got to do your best and, um, you know, hope that, it comes out. hope that it comes out the
0: best for me so. No, definitely. I think focusing on the process, it's it's something everyone hears and it's just something, I mean, some people really struggle to put into practice, but once it becomes habits, and I mean, you've been training for years upon years, so obviously it's something you just inherently enjoy. And I think, yeah, like you said, enjoying it, and then you can focus on the process. So that's a really, really important thing to to take into account. And I just want to touch on, um, obviously, you've competed several times now. What kind Mm -hmm. of are the biggest lessons you'll take away from other previous preps and bring into this one, kind of have you seen certain things happen, um, like sticking points or like you particularly know you respond well to refeeds? Um, Or actually, you could even touch on whether you do refeeds with uh, Alberto or not.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, so for for refeeds um, I've done them both with Lane and with Alberto, Um, and during contest prep, we plan usually with a twice a week refeed with alberto usually a a higher once a week refeed i feel that they're a good strategy to have in there um, because i think so long as you can kind of control yourself certainly deal with if there's any weight changes and that type of thing psychologically um and deal with any um, food cravings i know that mike the other week was talking about um maybe don't do repeats just do straight dieting and embrace the darkness and stuff like that um and i think you know that that could be certainly a good strategy um if you can't control like say if you eat ice cream if you want to eat the whole container and you can't control it but if you can um if you can control yourself and you're okay with okay on on sunday i'm going to have um you know a few slices of pizza or whatever it is um and then go back to dieting the next day and it doesn't you, um, and I think that it's 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 good. Of course, you don't necessarily have to eat pizza on your day. Yeah. You could eat no, you do just eat <laughs> rice, like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I, I found that they have been effective, certainly in a psychological sense for me. It's yeah. Just kind of like the diet break for a day. It's just giving you a little bit of a break from um, from the dieting process temporarily. Um, And I think that sometimes, actually, maybe it's due to, like, the increased meat, you know, the increased energy that you get from them. Sometimes I actually drop a little bit after Mm -hmm. a refeed, so I don't know necessarily what that is, but it doesn't always happen. But sometimes, yeah, you know, things that you do don't make sense. Same same thing with diet breaks, you know. Sometimes you do a diet break for a week or two and you end up leaner eating more food um, so yeah uh, in terms of so we were talking about refeed what, what was the, the uh, if you could remind me of the rest of the question
0: yeah I mean actually mm-hmm. when, in relation to the refeed I think quite often it mm-hmm. can lead to that kind of Rila McDonald calls it that whoosh effect where basically he talks about kind of females who get very stressed they have high cortisol levels they mm-hmm. leads to water retention and then they go out, like, yeah. he's, he's like, go out, get laid and get stoned and like get drunk. And then the <laughs> next day all the weight will come off because the fat cells yeah. and also fat cells can, he talked about fat cells holding on to water before they release the fat with that water. So yeah, I think refeeds can be really helpful in that way as well. And then obviously, like you said, neat can go up. So you have to walk and get the pizza rather than, uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a way your neat might come up, but definitely I, I think all of those things can happen. And yeah, the second part of the question was, basically lessons learned from past contest preps that you might take into this one. Anything that you've seen yeah. before that kind of you're like, I don't want to do that again, um, yeah.
1: Okay, um, yeah, so I think the the biggest thing that comes to mind is uh, the first few times that I prepped, I really just didn't put enough emphasis on conditioning. And um, yeah, late, later on, in fact, the first time that I worked with Lane, I realized that this is actually what is required to to you know earn a pro card or to be on the pro stage and that type of thing, to do well, to get really conditioned. So that kind of was a bit of a wake-up for me because I, I came into bodybuilding and I didn't understand just particularly from natural bodybuilding how important conditioning was. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that's definitely something that I highly prioritize uh, these days and a lot of people obviously do the same Um, so I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I learned early on also I I recall a show where I did do some no-no's for peak week which was dehydration and um, I I actually um, another thing it might sound silly but just um, allowing enough time to pump up before you get on stage yeah being really aware of the show schedule in the day um, and asking the backstage helpers, hey, you know, how much time do I have? Because I had just finished putting my tan on at this show and um, the guy said, will you on stage in five minutes? Wow! And, you know, I had no time to pump up. I did a couple of push-ups or something like that and I looked really flat on stage and mm-hmm. some of those details, like, people don't really talk about that type of thing a lot, but you could do and an eight-month prep be in phenomenal condition and if you don't get to pump up for you on stage and other guys do <laughs> you know you're awesome. going to look really comparatively. um so that type of thing um i think uh, we did talk about weak points already a bit earlier on um i think the first thing that i noticed was that my legs were lacking when i started competing and so when I started training them more frequently, they did come up. And so that's kind of always been on my mind after shows, you know, what areas could I improve looking mm-hmm. at the photos, feedback from others. Um, and interestingly, another thing, just now that I think of it with the repeats. this was not doing it during a contest prep, but it's something that we did trial during the MIDI cut, yeah. was um, we did multi day repeats, okay. And I'm not sure if that's something that we'll implement in this prep or not. Um, we did something like seven days low and three days high, and um, yeah, just an interesting strategy. I think they're, they're kind of um, just talking about testing it out at, at, with some of their athletes at that time. This was about a year ago. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I think that it, particularly if you have a long time for your prep, depending on how low the low days are and how high the high days are, it can be. An interesting strategy to use if you want to really maintain muscle mass and kind of really slow the prep down. It will make fat loss a lot slower, particularly you know, if you're doing something like three or five Fridays in a row. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: but yeah I thought that was an interesting one to mention
0: as well. No yeah definitely and I think the minor details are actually really interesting. So like not being able to pump up that would that's an actual like it's a nightmare. That's that's like I mean, it's similar to me when I see competitors on stage who are in fantastic condition. They're really muscular, but then they can't pose, like, for shit. They just cannot, they can't even do a front relax. They look ridiculous, um, and it's it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, yeah, P- posing is another one. Um, I, you know, I been into my first couple of shows. I didn't know
1: anything about posing, and, uh, yeah, my, 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 just like you said, the front relax, such a hard pose to hit for a, a novice person how to actually make the lats flare out kind of takes a lot of work yeah. and um, so yeah I think that competitors you know it's a good idea to allow a good couple of months before they to start practicing those poses you do not know, believe it for the last minute like I did in a couple of my first shows
0: and I'm doing this and there's <laughs> just no
1: lats there at all.
0: Yeah so I was the same well for my first show I wasn't I, I did a little bit of posing practice, but I left it way towards the end when you do have like no energy levels, so you just don't want to pose and you're cold all the time. So you're like, I don't want to be in my underwear. This isn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not good. Yeah. You do like two minutes
1: of posing. Yeah, that's enough.
0: Yeah. And I think actually I a key lesson from for me and for yourself, I guess, is having a coach to help you with these things. Like you've been through multiple competitions, you've made these mistakes. Now, when you have competitors, you don't get, they don't make these mistakes. You rule those out. And same for myself. Like, I've made these, I, I made the silly mistake of not shaving my armpits, which got me marked down for my first show. So, I think I may have done the same. I, think, um, <laughs> I was like, I want to
1: do bodybuilding, but I don't want to shave my legs. Um, in fact, the first couple of shows, I, I actually wore um, speedos, I wore, like, oh, no. swimming, <laughs> including to World. I went to World in 2010, I was swimming. Tr- yeah um because i was like no i'm not wearing, I'm
0: not wearing that just kind of goes to show how far the sports come as well in terms of you'd never see someone in speedos now um that just wouldn't right. happen so yeah I'm, I'm super excited to see what conditioning you get into with alberto and kind of just following along your prep because i know actually if we tell the listeners kind of where can they find where can they follow you because i know you're on instagram see you on facebook You've also got your Muscle Academy website as well.
1: Yeah, so um, on Facebook, they could uh, follow me at facebook.com slash Muscle Academy. And on my website, my website's www.muscleacademy.com.au. I have a blog on there, um, which I'll probably be reigniting soon and doing a lot of uh, articles and also, you know, the process that I'm going through in contest awesome. prep, keeping everybody up to date with that. Instagram is at evansoon with four O's in the soon part. Um, yeah, so feel free to follow me along on there. I put a lot on Instagram. So.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'll make sure they're all below so people can kind of go and follow you and pest you asking questions and follow along on your journey and that'll be really cool. So just want to say a massive thank you again, Evan, for coming on the show. Um, and cheers, everyone, Thanks. for listening.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it.